Well, welcome back, everyone, um, to this uh, special episode of the What Is Going On podcast, uh, a podcast where I, Jack Marnie, speak to friends, uh, colleagues, and anyone, really, uh, who, who'd like to come on and just chat about uh, about the news this week, and, uh, and we try and figure out what exactly is going on. Um, with me this week, I've got a really special guest, uh, Susan Carter, uh, an American citizen, uh, from the state of, of Michigan, um, and she's here to have a chat uh, about what it's been like since uh, Election Day. Uh, I suppose it's five weeks ago now. Welcome, Susan. Jack, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you. No, thank, thank you so much for coming on. Um, you know, I, I think it's an important thing to cover, this particular topic, um, and it, it, it's so kind of you to come on to give us a perspective on on what it's been like as an American citizen living through history i suppose the whole world has been watching america um you know over the past four years but but particularly last month on election day um and i must admit um i think a lot of us are, are at somewhat of a loss um so so hopefully I, I i don't know we're hoping you might be able to shed some light on the situation i will be glad to try as we say here in the states it has been a wild and woolly time um and hopefully uh, as we approach january 20 2021 that date, uh, we will have a transition to a new president uh, leaving the former, uh, the current administration to the past. Absolutely. Um, that, that's something else as well, that, that, which is different, um, you know, it, to, to what most people perhaps in Europe are used to. The fact that, that after the election in the US, there's actually this very long delay um, be- between the election date and the new the new president actually uh, taking office um, in January. And of course, on top of that, um, th- there's also been something of a delay in what's known as the transition, uh, unfortunately, hasn't there? Right, you make uh, two good points. One is we have an unusual uh, process here in the States, uh, and we have since our founding in um, the late 1700s, and that's the Electoral College. Uh, it was designed to ensure that those in more rural areas uh, had an equal vote uh, when it comes to the president. So actually, we do not elect our president by popular vote. We cast ballots for electors. And then in virtually every state, the electors then take the majority of uh, the votes that went for one person, and they become the electors who will meet in the electoral college on December 14, which Uh, for our purposes, is tomorrow. So it is required that the winner have 270 electoral votes. And again, it's based on a representation in the Senate and uh, the uh, House of Representatives. So it really is a a very convoluted situation. People this year, I think, wanted, uh, it it helped them appreciate uh, that perhaps the Electoral College is better left in the 18th century and not try to be used in the 21st century because it created a lot of, uh, uh, gosh, a lot of disruption, I think, uh, and a lot of misunderstanding on the part of Americans as well as the rest of the world. Bottom line is uh, Joe Biden won by more than 6 million votes across the country. And he also was able to capture more than 270 electors who will meet in their individual states tomorrow I happen to live three miles from our state capital in Michigan. Those electors will meet. They will cast their ballots for the majority winner in the state. And the Electoral College will have its ballot finalized. 
and we will have a firm and definitive statement as to the next president of the United States. Yes, well, <laughs> uh, convoluted seems to be oh, the right word oh my gosh. Uh, you use there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I, I think. Um, and I mean, it's amazing. You talk about obviously having this firm and definitive answer uh, when the electors vote tomorrow, um, you know, which means legally uh, Joe Biden is president elect and, and the election is over. However, it's been strange uh, for, for myself and I'm sure for many people uh, watching. Uh, so so I, I don't know what it's like if, if you live in the States to watch the president, uh, as well as many other uh, holders of, of high office, um, on the Republican side, at least, deny that Joe Biden won. As you said, six million votes. It's it's not in um, it's not in question anymore. It certainly won't be from tomorrow. What's that been like? Spending the last five weeks watching the delay to to the transition of power in the world's biggest and, and arguably greatest democracy. Well, I'm not sure greatest anymore, but but I, <laughs> I will work to answer that. It's been very very trying. It's, uh, it's also upsetting to see one of our two major political parties um, essentially being hijacked, uh, frankly, by a group of people. Uh, I happen to be a Democrat. There's no surprise there. I worked for a Democrat governor many years ago. And so my political persuasion is known. But a number of my friends are Republicans. And, and uh, many of them are, are frankly heartbroken uh, at the degree to which the party that they have been uh, a part of, proud of, worked in, has been radically transformed by a charlatan, if you will, certainly a um, a reality uh, television star, and um, that has left them dispirited. More than one of my friends, more I've, and those who aren't my friends, frankly, or people I've read about, who are Republicans, are saying, "I didn't leave the Republican Party." the Republican Party left me. So the challenge for them going forward is to uh, reinstate the important uh, conservative values in the Republican Party. That being said, it has just been a wild Bronco ride. Um, and I'm discouraged by what I read about and have seen last night in Washington, D.C., that is to say Saturday night, where there were uh, clashes, uh, some violent confrontations, some stabbings in Washington, D.C. Uh, so I really worry about uh, the people who are uh, self-identified Trumpers who say, uh, I'm willing to die for this cause. Um, it's not over yet, Jack. It's not over. Yes. And you mentioned, of course, the clashes, um, you know, at protests uh, over the last day or two, um, you know, particularly in Washington, D.C., as you said, people have been stabbed. Uh, I, I, I saw someone was shot. And I suppose that speaks to the, the vitriol that's out there at the moment and, and how seriously people take this uh, and take the claims being made to, to, to be true. Now, I'm sure you, you can't speak more than anecdotally about, about your experience and the people you know, but I wondered how seriously you think average Americans, um, Americans who, 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 who don't uh, you know, follow the news religiously and politics and are just trying to get on with their everyday lives, how seriously they take these claims of massively widespread uh, election fraud and, of course, what, what that's doing to the unity of the country. I can rely on what you've read, what I've read, and I'm a former journalist uh, as well. And uh, the reporting uh, is discouraging. The number of people who believe that there was a fraudulent election um, in my state, for example, the state of Michigan, 
um, and three other states, uh, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Florida. Oh, one that fell off, <laughs> fell off my radar. <laughs> it becomes a blur after a while. But at any rate, uh, the, the litigation that has proceeded against the four states claiming that our elections were fraudulently uh, put forward and the, consequently the ballot results are accurate and criminal as some claim, uh, really discouraging. And yet, fortunately, through our judicial system, court after court after court, judge after judge, including the justices, the nine justices of our U.S. Supreme Court, have said these are bogus claims, these have no merit. Um, irrespective of what people believe, this was a, a fair and well done election. I happen to know the uh, Secretary of State in Michigan who has responsibility for conducting elections. Um, she is a very well respected attorney um, and, and I've known her for a while. She has uh, also served as Dean of a law school in this state it was clean and done, and, uh, and, and yet the vitriol, to, to use your word, and I think it's appropriate, the vitriol that has been stirred up by the present administration has given false hope to people who didn't want to see a change in the White House. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you hit on a really good point there about, about um, you know, the, the, the fairness of the uh, election. Um, you know, and the people in, in, in charge of it. I, I take Georgia, for example, which has been r really um, uh, uh, talked about a lot. Uh, it, it, it's a traditionally red state. Um, and it, it went for Biden for the first, it went to the Democrats for the first time in, in two decades or, or more. Um, and, um, and Trump was throwing lots of mud, particularly at the, at the elected officials there in charge of the, uh, the election protest, who are Republicans. Who are Republicans, right. Astonishing, right. Um, and again, it's um, it's not what many people consider to be the uh, the longstanding Republican Party. It is a party of Trump, and it is a party that has been fueled by the desires of some who have felt uh, their needs weren't being recognized over the past several decades, and he has provided them a megaphone for uh, their complaints. As, as I had mentioned earlier, I live in the state of Michigan, three miles from the state capitol, literally three miles. And many saw the images in April where a series of armed thugs, I will call them thugs, um, entered our state capitol building, stood in the gallery above the state senate while it was in session with, uh, with arms. Later, a plot was, um, was developed and exposed to kidnap our governor and to execute her. This is outrageous. And yet there was nothing from uh, the presidential administration to condemn this. Astounding. Um, ju and just something I feel, you know, most, Europe most Europeans just, just cannot, I well, can't relate to in the slightest. The gun law, we're in, I'm in the UK, the gun laws over here are, are, are ridiculously strict by, by American standards. Yeah. Um, it's just astounding. And of course, as well, this is a president who, uh, you know, through uh, loads of verbal attacks at protests uh, surrounding uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and the death of George Floyd uh, earlier on in the year, uh, who moved, um, who orders the, 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 the sort of sometimes violent removal of protesters uh, uh, from outside the church in order to have a photo opportunity uh, earlier in the summer. So it's, it's, it's just 
uh, astounding. Um, talk, talking, obviously, n- now ab- about the sort of transition mm-hmm. period, of course, and you know, I'm sure people might have been aware that, that the official transition was actually delayed by Trump. He refused to allow it to, to go ahead. Um, n- now it seems to be. But, but h- how much leverage would he actually have to, 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 to sort of stay in power if he wanted to? Not a lot, I suppose. There's nothing that's actually going to stop the gears turning. The, the tra- no, uh, the transition period is uh, underway, although it has been hampered uh, by the unwillingness early on for anyone in the administration to acknowledge uh, that, in fact, uh, Trump lost and Biden won. Um, it raises some concerns among, among our national security people because we had a similar um, hiccup, if you will, in the year 2000 in the uh, Bush Gore uh, election, where it came down to hanging chads in the state of Florida and less than 200 votes, yeah. I think. But, but that delayed transition, um, according to some national security reports, helped create a vacuum. And that allowed, to some extent, uh, the attack on uh, September 11th, 2001. So, yeah. so there's, a, there's a real issue of concern. Uh, if it looks to external powers of uh, forces against the United States, that this is an opportunity to create havoc and evil, uh, I think we've given them some opportunity. One hopes that that's not the case, but, uh, but there, are, there are real challenges in, in that transition. Uh, just last week, more than half of the uh, Republican representatives in, the, uh, in our Congress uh, came out denying that uh, Biden had won. So uh, again, it's making that shift is going to be all the more difficult. I think Joe Biden's done a good job. I think for the most part, I like the people personally, as I, as I read um, the backgrounds of the individuals he's appointed to the cabinet. He might have made some changes differently, but, uh, but he's the president, he, the incoming president. He is officially, as of tomorrow, the president-elect. Uh, but boy, it's been tough. Uh, he only about a week and a half ago got um, allowance for security briefings. Interestingly enough, uh, the vice president-elect, Kamala Harris, because she was a U.S. senator on the Intelligence Committee, was getting those briefings. Uh, I mean, it's just been, you know, uh, it, this is Alice in Wonderland at the worst kind of way. Yeah, it, uh, it's surreal is, is one word that just keeps popping up in, popping up in my mind, um, you know, so, somewhat, somewhat unfortunately. Um, it's interesting as well, because something else that, that, perhaps Europeans won't be used to is, is um, you know, the transition period. And you mentioned the people that Joe Biden was appointing. Um, a lot of these appointees have to be approved by, uh, right. by Congress. Um, and of course, you know, it's, 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 not, um, it's not a done deal, uh, you know, that the Democrats are going to control Congress. They probably won't. There's one particular uh, or two particular races, I should say, going on <laughs> in, in Georgia, that, that fantastic oh. state again. Um, that that will decide control of the Senate, and and if the Republicans have control of the Senate, then then I mean, what happens to Joe Biden's nominees? I mean, what's that going to do? Well, let's let's touch on Georgia for a minute. Uh, Jackie raised an excellent point. On January fifth, um, both U.S. Senate seats, every state has two. Both U.S. Senate seats uh, uh, will face an election. Uh, the incumbents are both Republican. Uh, th- each state gets to decide how U.S. senators are elected. 
to make this even more convoluted. So in, in Georgia, <laughs> if, if, if the candidates don't, if, if no candidate receives a majority, then there's a runoff. So that's what we're facing in Georgia, a runoff. Um, one, of the, uh, uh, one of the seats is held by uh, a woman by the name of, last name is Luffler. Uh, she was appointed about a year ago when a U.S. Senator retired. Um, she is r routinely despised by a lot of folks uh, and also celebrated by others. So both of those seats are up. If, hmm, okay, so if... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hang Take your time. Answer. We know we know this <laughs> <Yeah>. is convoluted. <laughs> so, if the Democrats happen to win both seats, then it will be a fifty-fifty split in the U.S. Senate, and the vice president then presides over the Senate and is the deciding vote. Now, if it breaks such that uh, Republicans hold both seats or even just one seat, um, then it will be either forty-eight. What's my math here? Forty-fifty-two or. Um, 4951. And that, that won't work. So some of it hinges on what happens in Georgia. Now, to go back to your, your central question uh, about the uh, Senate confirmation, the Senate advises and consents on a, nom on a I think about 400 positions in U.S. government, uh, which requires Senate uh, consent. And if uh, Mitch McConnell, um, a senator of Kentucky, who is currently the majority leader, um, decides to do what he did before and do everything to get to make Biden a one-term president, which effectively he said he would be, um, then uh, those people might not be confirmed. Traditionally and historically, the notion is the president gets to choose, it's always been a man, gets to choose his cabinet, uh, but I can see some roadblocks ahead. Uh, on some of the nominees. Uh, and I suppose there's been form with this, um, you know, particularly with the Republican Party uh, in, in the past. And I, I, um, uh, I, I'm thinking particularly of uh, Supreme Court nominees, um, particularly in the dying days of the Obama administration. Yeah. Um, and, and for those of you who weren't aware of this, um, you know, a seat came up uh, and essentially... Uh, the Republican-controlled um, uh, Senate. Mm -hmm. uh, That's uh, correct. Uh, well, you did great. Refused to um, to confirm uh, President Obama's nominee. Sim from from what I could tell, simply because he'd been nominated by by That's President right. Obama. Merrick Garland, who um, was nominated more than eight months uh, prior to the end of uh, President Obama's term, uh, was uh, stiff-armed if you will, again, by McConnell. Uh, and so consequently did not, he, he never came up for a vote, uh, although it was a, a Republican-controlled Senate, uh, but he never even got that far to, to a hearing to a vote. Um, it has been a long-standing, decades-long plan by McConnell to control the courts in this country. From, uh, we have a, uh, a three-tiered federal system uh, district courts, courts of appeal, and then U.S. Supreme Court with nine justices. Um, so uh, the, the fact that the hypocrites, and I'll call them hypocrites because that's what they are, um, those who said they would never uh, allow that to happen again, um, clearly let it happen, and or, or flip, flipped, if you will, and allowed uh, a very rapid approval of 
the most recent candidate for the U.S. Supreme Court on the heels of the death of, in September, of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, so they did exactly what this... A, a liberal pioneer on the Supreme Court. Yeah. And they did what they said they would never do. Uh, so they are now, uh, arguably, if you, if you look at the numbers, breaking down. It doesn't always break this way, but it's a 6-3 conservative majority uh, on the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, gosh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and, and yet, and this is something else that I, and I just, and obviously you, you, you cannot guess as to what goes on inside uh, uh, President Trump's uh, mind uh, behind that keyboard. But, um, you know, it, it certainly felt like there was a, a, a rush um, to, to, to get uh, this, this last particular Supreme Court pick through. And there was a lot of speculation that Trump was perhaps hoping that, that, that with such a big conservative majority, something might swing in his favour. Um, and, and yet nothing has. Uh, the, the last decision uh, came, uh, uh, oh gosh, was it last night? Two days ago, Friday Two night, days yeah. ago. Yes, um, you know, when the Supreme Court struck down uh, a, a lawsuit um, by, by uh, uh, the administration's lawyers, um, uh, you know, in order to stop the, um, the Electoral College vote in uh, Texas. Right, that was the Texas that? suit against four states, including my home state of Michigan. Right, uh, the, yeah. the court said, yeah. we're not going to take, it, take up this case. Uh, it's a dead letter. And uh, so uh, Trump's efforts to manipulate our judicial system which I find, as a lawyer, I find absolutely heinous, uh, failed. And so uh, kudos to the Supreme Court. Um, it's interesting It's interesting that you say that, and, and particularly as a lawyer, I'd be interested in this. I, you know, a lot of what Trump has, well, it's difficult. You know, on day one, Biden can start issue, issuing executive orders. Uh, the way he acts on the world stage will change how um, allies think about America and he can start changing foreign policy. Um, you know, he can make a lot of uh, inroads into implementing stuff in, 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 in the US at home. Um, but there's not a lot he can do about the yeah. Supreme Court. So it seems that even though they, they haven't bailed Trump out, those just those those uh, three, is it three three justices, three justices which is extraordinary uh, in a four year term, yeah, yeah, they they will be they will be oh, their lifetime they will be their lifetime the appointments yeah they are lifetime century. appointments there's no term limit for uh, judges or justices in our federal uh, judicial system so yeah um, I mean for example Justice Thomas who has been on the court thirty more than thirty years now um, no you know he continues to uh, to be there. Justice Ginsburg, of course, uh, was in her mid-late 80s. Uh, Justice Stephen Breyer um, is, I think, currently the oldest member, and he, um, you know, he's no sign of retiring. Uh, justice Breyer is considered a liberal justice. <coughs> Excuse me, Jack. Um, sir. It's quite, it's quite right. Um, can I cough for just a minute? Uh, yeah, please, please, coffee. Sorry, not, get excited. Not a problem. <laughs> we're not in the we're not in the same <laughs> okay. room, everyone. No, so, we're about so, three hundred so miles, no three thousand miles apart. But but yeah. no, you're right. Um, so uh, this this is a long term. This is a generation or two generations, if you will. Uh, two generations change now. Um, there's no guarantee, you know, that that what a president. Uh, anticipates will be a justice's path. So let me give you an example. Um, 
uh, President Eisenhower uh, served two terms and nominated and uh, the, the, was uh, appointed uh, Earl Warren to the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, Republican, former governor of California, uh, who became a wonderful leader, my view, uh, of the U.S. Supreme Court uh, in a number of uh, situations, including uh, Brown versus Board of Education, which desegregated schools in this country. Uh, said it's illegal to have separate schools for black children and white children. Uh, Eisenhower later said that was the worst damn appointment I ever made. Uh, I don't know how he felt about Brown v. Board, but but Warren Warren led a fairly liberal court. So even though he went in um, with the perspective of a uh, being a conservative, um, putting on that robe. Uh, I think makes a difference. And I've seen some changes in Chief Justice John Roberts as well. So it's not a slam dunk that this court will uh, behave definitely one way or another, but it does have a, a flavor, a tilt uh, to a more conservative side. Uh, absolutely. And, and and of course, when you're there for, for a lifetime, um, you know, one assumes you're not necessarily the same person at 40 right. as you are at 80. Um, you know, so there is room for, for growth and a change in understanding, um, uh, perhaps. Um, there's something else. And, and, and uh, you know, you're the lawyer, so you'll have to correct <laughs> me if I'm right if I'm wrong about this. <laughs> Um, yes, I didn't. Yeah, I, I turned down uh, doing doing law at university, unfortunately. But um, it was... Uh, I believe that there's nothing actually in the Constitution that, that talks about the, the number of justices on the Supreme Court. And it hasn't always been nine. And in fact, it was FDR who added who added justices uh, in order to sort of circum, circumvent what, what they were Jack, doing. you're ready to be a, a civics and government teacher here in the States. You have excellent, excellent knowledge base. <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. There's nothing in the U.S. Constitution that mandates a set number. Uh, there were previous times when the number was six and seven. Uh, in the 19th century, uh, Justice Taney uh, led a court that was less than nine. Um, FDR, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, elected in 1932, uh, succeeding Herbert Hoover. And the country was in a terrible depression, and he had some social programs he wanted to move forward. Uh, the court was older. Uh, and conservative and uh, striking down uh, a number of his uh, programs that had passed Congress. And so he, not able to remove justices, uh, underwent what was called a court pack, uh, the idea of a court packing plan. It never succeeded, but I think the idea was to add two more justices. Uh, it never gained fruition uh, and it was shot down pretty quickly. Uh, but but that's in the backs of people's minds that, um, you know, there's no, nothing is carved in stone uh, about the number of justices on the United States Supreme Court. But I suppose once you open that can of worms, there's, there oh, yeah, really yeah. is no closing it. Um, and, 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 it and it's, you know, and I suppose it speaks to how diametrically opposed the two uh, parties are, which obviously, of course, you know, they're, they're different parties. They have different <laughs> ideologies and beliefs, and and if they didn't, you know, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have politics. Um, but equally, that there doesn't seem, and there hasn't seemed to have been for a while, a common thread running through um, U.S. Uh, political life. Uh, you know, everyone used to be able to agree on on the sanctity of, of, of uh, the electoral process, for example. Um, 
you know, and I, I just wonder what, you know, and this is a big question, but sort of what, what that's done to the fabric of, of, of life as an everyday American w- w- when you watch something that used to be taken for granted suddenly appear p- particularly shaky and you, and you get, um, you know, two thirds or, or more uh, of Republican voters who believe that, that there was massive election fraud, as you said, um, you know, and just can't and, and don't think that well, they're living in a democracy. And to that, just briefly, if you tell a lie often enough, people start to believe it. Um, you know, anecdotally, um, w- one piece I read a number of years ago about the, um, the diminution of collegiality, if you will, among um, senators and representatives in, in Congress has to do with the fact that they often, uh, historically, they would move their families to Washington, D.C. And they would um, socialize together, they would dine together, their children would go to school together. So there was a, a measure of uh, common shared life. Now, I mean, ease of travel, if you will, uh, their families stay in their home districts or their home states. Uh, the representatives move back and forth. And so there's no, um, there's no common life that's shared, uh, or certainly at least to the degree before. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, Al Gore, a uh, former senator of Tennessee who was vice president for uh, Bill Clinton and then ran for president himself and lost, he was a child of another senator, uh, Al Senior. And he lived in Washington. So he grew up in that milieu and he had friends on both sides. So I think that's been a piece of it. Uh, the, um, the antipathy that has arisen um, because there, there are fewer shared opportunities uh, to be together. That's not the sole reason by any stretch. But it's those little pieces, I think, make up our changed uh, political life in this country. You make a really interesting point there, and it's it's, in, it's funny because I read something the other day, again, you know, speaking anecdotally, um, about uh, uh, politicians in, in the UK, members of, of the parliament, um, and how there was an old MP talking about how, you know, when he, when he arrived uh, in, in the early 2000s, um, you know, members of parliament would, would, would eat together, they'd, they'd go to the bars and, and they'd have lunch. Um, you know, and, and they would they would mingle with people across the political. They'd because go to the red line, the wouldn't they? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the bell would ring at two o'clock. Back. <laughs> Sorry. It, it, yeah, exactly. I've I've um, I've been. It's yeah. amazing. Um, and it, it's oh, is it, I think it's a, you've got eight minutes from when the bell <laughs> rings uh, to get. For, for those of you who don't you don't know this. That there are there are um, when there's a vote in the that's UK okay. Parliament. Sorry, we're diverging. That's okay. I've spent a lot of time in, in your wonderful country. <laughs> oh well, um, so so uh, the, the, uh, there's a vote called in 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 uh, the, the House of Commons chamber. So the MPs have to go and vote, um, and there are bells rung all around the parliamentary uh, estate. So so obviously, if you're not in the chamber, the, the, you then have eight minutes. <laughs> from the first bell to get there and, and vote. And of course, there's a bell in a pub so that it can ring you can down your points and then rush back to the lobby. Well, th- um, we do have the same notion here, not vote. necessarily the red line across the street and uh, the other side of Westminster Bridge. But um, but if you're not present in the chamber, you can't vote. In other words, you can't sort of dial it in. You've got to be physically yeah. there. And, and that can be a problem sometimes. Yeah. But I, I, and of course, partic- particularly with COVID, it's been it's been astronomical. Um, 
uh, over here we had we did have um uh, uh, uh oh, excuse me um sort of what? online uh, voting uh you know obviously uh, but, but it only lasted it only lasted a couple of months at the, at the height of the pandemic and then the government decided for i believe political reasons uh that you know that they um, they weren't going to allow it uh, any longer and and, and you um you, you had to vote in person but it's not just about um voting from wherever you like it has real implications for uh, sure. uh pregnant mothers for example uh, or or if you're ill um you know if your representative you know ha- has to be in hospital for for a routine operation that doesn't mean your no. representative shouldn't be allowed to vote no 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 i agree um and, and yeah pregnant mothers we had uh, uh, tammy duckworth senator of uh, state of illinois uh, the first to um d- deliver a child while a, a seated u.s senator and uh, had to get special permission in order to breastfeed in the Senate. It's like, really? Honest? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just, um, yeah, surreal. And, and, and unlike, and I think as well, this, this might speak to how people view mm-hmm. uh, politicians, uh, you know, and, and see them as being more remote. You know, when you look at the, 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 the workplace rules, it's, it, it seems so, so out of touch with... with with where we are today, right. you think if this was a company or, or anywhere else, what, what um, would they Just to drop a footnote there, Jack, uh, the uh, statistics appear to be that about 20% of women will drop out of the workforce in this country. Uh, they are transitioning or have already dropped out uh, because of reasons of childcare, inability to uh, work remotely, that kind of thing. Uh, and that has implications not only for the current, but also for their retirement funds which they will be unable to continue to contribute to, uh, have their employers contribute in this country. Uh, so that's got some long-term implications implications for uh, for women in this country, and it, that's troubling. Absolutely, uh, and of course, um, you know, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but but the U.S. that, that there is no uh, federally mandated maternity right. leave, state is, is by that state. Right? <laughs> They got 50 jurisdictions I, and then right. throw in Puerto Rico and Guam and, you know, <laughs> the Marshall Islands. And yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I, I, as, yeah, as I say, speaking yeah, as, I as a European, that, that is... Yeah. Um, we, we must uh, look ridiculous, yeah. Um, in our short yeah. speech. Yeah. It's it, okay, it, you could say Well, it. yes. Um, <laughs> I it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's, there, there's no sort of, there's no sort of way around that. Um, Gosh, what what I was talking about before before we went on that little detour. Sure, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I'll just touch back in it. With, with, with the, in in the in the UK, um, MPs they come and they mingle and they and they they eat together and drink together and, and they just be together. Whereas now there's a big thing in the UK about uh, these WhatsApp groups. Um, you know, and, and and MPs just stick in their little group and they they've all got pressure groups. Uh, you know that they have and they talk about. Um, you know, and it, it, and you just stick with your clique. Uh, essentially, um, and, and I suppose it's it, it, it's the same. The uh, echo the chamber effect, right? Uh, 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 the echo chamber effect. Well, exactly that. Social media affects right. politicians course, yeah. too. You know, you're you're hearing and you're listening only to people who validate your own views, and so uh, absent that that the ability to be open to at least hearing others, um, it's not that we'd be persuaded, but but politics is the art of compromise. Um, as, as Winston Churchill said. And um, uh, there's less opportunity for compromise if there's less discussion. 
very true. Uh, Winston Churchill also said that, um, oh, here we go, let me get the quote right. Uh, Democracy is the worst form of government, (laughs) except for all the others. (laughs) That's a great one. Which is one of, of course, my favorite. My quotes, favorite one so. in this instance is uh, two countries divided by the same language. You know. Yeah. So. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, yeah, I've I've yet to make it to the states. Unfortunately, I, I went when I was two uh, to to Disneyland, to Disney World, um, but but I didn't. I don't remember that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I would. You know, I would love let to me just uh, again to go um, back to you know, uh, to I, employment, uh, Disney. Uh, has laid off, you know, because individuals, people are not going to Disney World in Florida, Disneyland in uh, California. They've laid off more than 20,000 employees. And uh, that has meant that those who were, you know, sort of bubbling up to the middle class have lost their opportunity to stay there. So. And there's no... um... There's no furlough scheme. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know if you how much you know about this in the UK. There is something called a furlough scheme. If you lose your job at the moment, um, you know, or, or you know, if you lose your job, you can go on benefits rather. But but sorry, your company can put you on furlough, um, and, and that means that the government essentially picks up eighty percent of your of your wage tab uh, and pays it, which is which has stopped people falling straight out of work and, and through the safety net necessarily. But that, that's Again, not state the by state, the US, uh, there yeah. are uh, unemployment uh, schemes uh, providing wages for those who are unemployed. Uh, the federal government did early on make some contributions, $1,200. Uh, perhaps you recall the latest plan is for $600, but yeah. that sure doesn't go very far. No, what one check, yeah. uh, you know, in, in, in the mail, um, you know, certainly, certainly won't, unfortunately. Um, and I think, you know, the effects of this, this pandemic are going to be with us. Mm-hmm. I mean, it always comes back to the pandemic, I'm afraid, um, you know, but, 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 uh, but, but the effects are going to be with us for, for quite some time. Um, there are a couple of sort of odd questions that, that I've, that, you know, we haven't naturally flowed towards. So I'm, I'm just going to sort of ask them if that's okay while I've got you here. It's, it's such a fantastic, fantastic opportunity. Uh, my, so I'm not, not going to waste it, Susan. Um, <laughs> uh, let's start with this one. So um, something that I've always found, um, you know, interesting um, and it provides uh, sort of almost macabre uh, entertainment sometimes, I think, for the outside world is the fact that the election cycle in the US is astronomically yeah. long. Uh, it, it, uh, it, eight, 18 months or two years even uh, sometimes, because um, you start with the with the primaries where the two different parties, you know, will select who, the, who they're going to have as their friend. That seems to go on for an age, um, you know, and, and then you've got uh, uh, the actual election cycle, which again can last for, you know, if everyone's sorted yeah. the nominees early, can last a year. Six weeks in uh, it, it is so a long time. Long. In fact, uh, I would suggest that Republican candidates are lining up right now, uh, including uh, Donald Trump uh, for 2024. Yeah. It is a very long time. It starts with uh, the Iowa caucus, which is a, uh, again, a caucus, not a primary. Um, uh, gosh. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, Here we go. People get together and the caucuses <laughs> pick their candidates. New Hampshire has an actual voting primary where people go to cast their ballots. So those are the two ones. And those states try to preserve that because, not surprisingly, it brings in a substantial amount of money. The candidates uh, come in, they buy media, reporters come in. So that's a lot of money for two states that, especially New Hampshire and New England, 
that's a big part quadrennially of the money that comes into the states. And then there's a series, um, the, the configuration has um, uh, altered somewhat during the past 20 years, but there are Super Tuesdays. And Tuesdays are voting day in this country for strange reasons. And uh, so some states will get together and have Super Tuesdays. And then that will be another winnowing of, uh, of candidates. So it is a long period of time. Because there are no limits on spending uh, on behalf of candidates, uh, there are huge media purchases, among other things, and uh, literally approaching a billion dollars, I think, this year. I may be wrong, but it's, it was millions, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, for this entire election cycle, which um, is frankly obscene. It, it, the, the amount of money involved uh, does astound, I, I, I think. I mean, in the UK, um, you know, for example, uh, you know, campaigns range from 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 sort of five to, to sort of ten million. Um, you know, and as I said, our our, our election cycle is is sort of officially it, it's it's um it's six weeks, but there, there are strict limits on, on on donations, on the amount of money that that can be spent. Um, it's billions. Uh, I'll, US, I'll take you just, down a very obscure path here and try to explain some of it. It, it turns on our First Amendment. Um, that uh, right, Congress shall make Money no law, speech. and it, there, there are actually five freedoms in the First Amendment. Uh, two deal with religion, uh, two with uh, speech and press, and one with the right to assembly and petition the government. Um, the, uh, the there's a case that you've probably heard of called Citizens United, that was decided about. 10 years ago that really opened the lid on the amount of spending uh, corporations could pay. Citizens, Citizens United overturned a case that arose out of Michigan, again, uh, that arose out of a situation, a friend of mine who uh, was faced with corporate spending on the part of our uh, state chamber of commerce. And so that was challenged. Uh, those dollars were limited it turned into a Citizens United case challenging whether or not there could be limits on corporate spending. The lid came off, and so consequently. Uh, so Bob Colt, K-O-L-T, uh, is part of that genesis of Citizens United. He, of course, was, was complaining about the amount of money wow. being spent against him in a, um, in a uh, congressional campaign for a seat that was once held by uh, President Gerald Ford. That's all you need to know be to be a trivia expert. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you, you, now now listeners know where to come. This take is, me you know, take me to the pub on trivia value. night, and <laughs> I've got a very narrow back in there. Hey, hey <laughs> right. down the red line, it, it, it'll it'll be there. Right, right. US US quiz yeah. night, absolutely absolutely fantastic, absolutely great. Um, uh, uh, as well. Um, you uh, you actually went down uh, on election right. day uh, that is to correct. observe the polls. Uh, yeah. is, isn't that right? What broad, broad question? What what was that well, like? Um, just just the atmosphere. To to add a little bit to my portfolio, I'm also ordained as a priest in the Episcopal Church, which is part of the Anglican Communion. And um, as you know, uh, the Second Amendment first deals with speech and religion rights. Second deals with the right to arm bears. I'm sorry to bear arms. Forgive me. So, and how that's, how that's interpreted, you know, a well-regulated militia doesn't mean thugs in my state capital, but again, this is my view. 
but I was concerned about intimidating presence being made by those uh, who support Trump uh, and who might show up with you know, legally carrying uh, weapons and some of them drastic automatic weapons. Uh, I went to 11 different polls and interestingly, I was accompanied by um, a photographer with, G uh, with Getty Images who was interested in what we were doing. Um, thankfully, we never encountered uh, any kind of attempt to uh, intimidate uh, voters. And I, I'm very pleased at that. Um, I am worried now, based on what we saw last night in Washington, D.C., that things will be different. But at least at the polls, uh, that wasn't the case. Yeah. That's so good to hear, um, you know, as well. And I, I know there were lots of stories about uh, attempted uh, voter right. uh, suppression and, and intimidation. So it's certainly great to hear that there was none of that at your local your local um, uh, uh, polling place. I, I suppose, um, you know, and again, we, we, we're just going for the big questions here, um, you know, to, to, to finish. Something to finish on is, as in a, a lot of places in the world right now, politics, um, you know, seems so vitriolic, uh, as we said. Um, uh, parties seem so far apart, compromise. Is a dirty word, and how do you think people can be brought sure. back together? How, how do you come back from this when you've got you've got huge millions of, of Americans who 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 from from the looks of it, from an outsider's perspective, believe that the election uh, part was, of my brief is I'm a, a state licensed mediator, and let me turn to that training that I've received over the past twelve years that I think gives some guide. Uh, when, when there are parties who, uh, parties who are diametrically opposed, it helps to bring them together to create an agenda. So let's agree to mediate. I, I say to people, you've signed a mediation agreement. Let's develop an agenda of what the issues are and then see if we can tackle them, see if where the wedges are, where there might be some, some little give and take. And it's amazing that in that structure, um, uh, goodness, if you will, can come out. But nobody gets to take the whole pie. Nobody loses the whole pie. But there is uh, a sense of, okay, uh, if I get this, let me give up on, on that issue, or let me at least be willing to make some adjustments. So I think, um, I mean, we've seen it in Africa, um, to some regard, with truth and reconciliation hearings, you know, in South Africa, where there were sides diametrically opposed for some very, over very violent conduct. Um, the, the notion of Ubuntu uh, that uh, uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu will talk about uh, becomes really important. So bringing parties together, getting a willingness to at least, at least talk, and then developing that agenda and then working through it. I think that is a course and a path to follow. Trying to beat up, trying to win, trying to uh, hammer the other guy that that's not going to get us anywhere. Not mine. <laughs> Wise words. I, I think um, you know, and, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and uh, honestly, uh, Susan, you know, we, I, I've taken up I've taken up a lot of your time. It's been absolutely fascinating uh, f for myself. So, so, so you I are hope so it's impressive been, I'm sure and so well informed. For if only my former students. <laughs> At your level of knowledge, uh, they would be much much farther along. I, I 
I've oh, enjoyed this time and you're too kind. <laughs> I would be glad to come back whenever it's convenient for you. Thank you so much, Susan, honestly. Well, uh, that has been um, this latest episode of, of What Is Going On. Uh, if you have any questions, um, uh, please do, do, do send them in. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it and we will see you.